beginning in verse 18. So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel and Ramah and told him that Saul and told him all that Saul had done to him. Saul's trying to kill him. And he said to Sam, and then, sorry, and he and Samuel went and dwelt in Navith. I, I know you, you're thinking I just mispronounced that word. I looked it up. I promise you that's how it's pronounced. It's Navith. And it was told to Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Navith and Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take or apprehend David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when it was told to Saul, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. And Saul sent messengers again the third time. And they prophesied also. Then went he also to Ramah and came to the great well, which is at Secure. And he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they be at Navith in Ramah. And he went thither to Navith and Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Navith and Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Wherefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets. Let us pray tonight. God, we come before you. We thank you for your word and its power. It's anointing. We thank you that your word is alive. God, I ask that you anoint me to preach what you've given to me. I pray that I can deliver this message in the way you delivered it to me. And Lord, let us have ears to hear and hearts to receive what your word has to say to us tonight. And we love you and we praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Again, I, uh, this is a very interesting portion of Scripture, especially that last verse that we read here. But the Lord began to speak to me through this. And, and I want to preach to you tonight on the, the title of Habitation. Habitation. I know we don't see that word in our text necessarily, but... I promise you, you will realize what we're talking about by the end of this message. But we give you a little backstory here. We know that two chapters previous to this, that David has slain Goliath and he's chopped off his head and he's become the great warrior of Israel. And we find in chapter 18 that David and, and Jonathan make a covenant to one each other to one another they they become bestest of friends if you if you could say the besties for the resties if you if, if, if you would say that they become BFFEs and 
they get close, but what happens is, is David begins to excel even greater than Goliath, and he begins to to excel on the battlefield, and people begin to say, hey, you know, Saul's killed his thousands, but David kills his tens of thousands, and, and Saul let envy enter his heart, and now Saul is, is determined to capture and to kill David. The Bible tells us that when the anointing left Saul, that an evil spirit of the Lord came upon him and vexed him sore, and, and Saul was just eaten up with jealousy for David. So that brings us to our portion of Scripture. David is on the run. And I, I want you to catch this with me real quickly. We have a generation that I believe that are called to be a, a bunch of Davids. And, and I know we've heard that preached, but I believe that. I believe that this young generation, and, and I don't know if you've seen the last few weeks, the way they've stepped out, uh, Blanche, I believe that they are preparing to kill giants. I believe that God wants to use them to tear down strongholds and take back territory which the church has lost. I believe that God wants to use them in a special way. But just as Saul in this story, the enemy would like nothing more than to come and to snuff out an anointed and appointed generation. The enemy would love nothing more than to end the call of God on their lives before it's even started. Young people, the enemy is after you so hard right now because he realizes who you are. He realizes who you are. He realizes that you are an anointed generation. He realizes that you are a threat and a danger to him and his kingdom. And I want to propose to you the question tonight, if hell knows who you are, it's about time that we as young people, young adults, teenagers, and children realize who we are. If hell itself knows who you are and who you could be, it's time for you to fall in line with what God says you are and what hell even believes that you can become and start becoming that person. Hell believes that you are a threat. You need to believe that you are a threat to hell. If hell itself has faith, because hell itself knows that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. When you speak his name, demons scatter. Hell believes it's time for us to believe just as much that God can use you right here, right now for such a time as this. And we see a generation on the run, a bombardment of the enemy. David is running for his life. And he comes to Samuel. He comes to the prophet. He comes to the elder and Ramah and tells him what's going on. And the Bible says that Samuel took David. He took him to almost like a specific place in Ramah. It's still the same city. It's almost like a, a specific area called Navith. And they stayed there. And I know we don't see Samuel saying anything specific in this chapter. But if I could just use my imagination for a little bit, I, I would think Dave, what, what Samuel's saying to David is, son, it's time to stop running. David had been running from Saul. He said, listen, it's time 
to stop running. It's time for us to go on offense. Come with me. Come with me. That word rhema means a high place. It's all it means, simply a high place. But let me tell you tonight, under the sound of my voice, elders and young people, I want you to listen to this. We have a generation of young people that want to be used by God, desire to be used by God, and they're fighting for their lives. And they're coming to the Samuels, the men and women of God that are seasoned in this thing. Prophets. They have not so much notoriety as, as, as the fact that they know that they can get a hold of God. The young people are looking to us saying, listen, this is what's going on. The enemy's after my life. And we as elders need to start taking these young people under our wings and saying, guess what? It's time for us to go to a higher place. It's time for us to go to a new height in God. It's time for us to go to a deeper depth. It's time for us to get closer. It's time for me to show you how to get through the issues and, and the problems of life. The Bible tells us in Matthew 17 and 1 that, that the disciples, Jesus called three disciples to go up to the mountain, to a higher place. And that's where they saw him transfigured and they saw his glory and it shone around about and they saw that cloud and that cloud began to speak and say that this is my beloved son and who am I well pleased because when you go to a higher place in God, you get closer to God, You'll, God will begin to reveal more of himself to you. And Samuel says, listen, not only do I have to get you to a higher place, I gotta get you closer to God. I gotta get you to a place where you can see his glory where you can feel his presence where it's tangible to you where he reveals himself to you in a way that you've never known before the Bible tells us in Exodus 34 that when Moses came down from the mountain the high place that his face shone so bright that they had to put a veil over his face because he had been so exposed to the glory of God we, we spoke last week uh, the Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6 when he was surrounded his servants said listen things are looking bad but when he prayed Elisha prayed that the servant's eyes would be open he looked and he saw in the high place chariots camped all around about him listen the high places is a deeper depth it's a new level it's a place where you get intimate with God it's a place where you can hear God clearer than ever before it's a place that we must learn to take our young people to do you realize that Jesus in Matthew chapter 14, before he walked on the water, he came from the high place. He sent the disciples to the other side and the storm was raging. And he was alone praying. Before you can ever walk on the storms that's going on in your life, you must first learn how to go to a higher height, a deeper depth. If you want to walk on top of the storms, you want to get through the storms, you've got to go higher. Elders, this generation needs us to lead them into a place that they've never known 
before. But that's not all. Not only did he take him to a higher place, he took him to a specific place in Ramah, Navith. On the surface, when you dive into that word in the Hebrew, it just means a residence. But Brother Steve, as you dive in a little deeper, that root word, that, that, that word that, the word that's used in this scripture, what it's derived from, means to prepare a habitation. To prepare a habitation. Samuel was not only showing him the importance of a high place, but he was saying, David, let me show you how to create a habitation. Let me show you. Let me show you how to worship. Let me show you how to press into the things of God. Let me show you the magnificent and and the majestic side of God. So he went to Navith. He said, listen, I, I, I want you to go higher, but here I'm going to show you how to build an atmosphere where the Spirit of God can dwell and move upon your life. The Bible says here in our chapter, in our text tonight in verse 20, that Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers, and Saul, and they also prophesied. You see, Samuel took David under his wing, took him to a higher place, took him to a place where he could prepare an habitation. But what Samuel did is he said, let me grab some of my buddies. Let me grab some of my other elders. Let me grab some of the men and women of God that know how to get a hold of the presence of God. Let me grab a hold of them because the Bible tells us that if there are two or three gathered together in Jesus' name, he says that I will be in their midst. The Bible tells us in Psalms 133 and 1 that behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity because when you come together around a generation you can begin to show them how to press into the things of God how to go to that deeper walk how to go to that place of intimacy with God to show them listen this is this is a place where the spirit of God can dwell and listen that the gates of hell cannot prevail against this atmosphere we're not this is a place young people where the hell can't dictate things to us but where we begin to dictate things to hell This is a place of safety. This is a place of maturity. This is a place of strength. This is a place of worship. This is a place of dedication. This is a habitation. 
This is an atmosphere that God wants you to be in. You say, Pastor, why is that important? Why is it important to create a habitation? Habitation is simply defined as a state or process of living in a particular place. I like the little sentence, you know, how the dictionary will give you a sentence that it's used in. It says, signs of human habitation. It's a place not only where the Spirit of God can dwell, but it is a place where you can tell or see that He lives there. You see, that, that sentence says that signs of human life, it means you can see and you can tell that this isn't an ordinary place. That when his presence comes down, it's not only a place for him to dwell, but it's visible. It's tangible. It's something you can grab a hold of. It's a place where you can see the signs and the wonders. It's a place where you see life happening. Life growing, life coming forth. And if there's anything that this world and this generation needs right now, it's signs of life. Anybody with me tonight? If there's anything this world needs right now, if there's anything that the world needs to see from this generation right now is signs of life. Because all we see on the news, all we see on social media is death and darkness. But it's time for us as the church of the living God, we say we're the church of the living God to show this world the signs of a living God. To show this world that there is a habitation at PTC Ministries. That this is a place where the spirit and the presence of God can dwell. It's a safe haven. It's a harbor. It's a lighthouse on the shore that gives light to those in darkness. This needs to become a place as it has over the last few weeks we felt the spirit of God we felt him move in our services we felt him at this altar but I want to tell you that it's just the beginning we have to come together as Samuel and the prophets around a young man that was running for his life and say listen son I, I, I tell you we're creating an atmosphere that you can grow in this is going to be like a spiritual greenhouse God's going to cultivate you here in his presence God's going to grow you in his presence He's going to water you in his presence. He's going to bring forth his Holy Spirit to and through your life. We have to create an atmosphere that these young people know is safe, that they can receive strength, that they can receive help. We've got to not only take them to a higher place, but we've got to show them how to prepare and create an atmosphere for signs and wonders to begin to take place. Samuel and these prophets got together. These old boys, his homies. And they began, the Bible says, they began to prophesy because in verse 20 it says, when they came on the scene, the messengers came on the scene. They saw these prophets prophesying. Samuel was leading them. 
That word prophesied there can not only mean predict the future being in the prophetic, but it can also mean to speak or to sing under an unction or by inspiration. So what began to happen is these, these, these prophets, these saints of God, began to gather around this young man and they began to worship. And they began to pray. And they began to speak life and strength into him. They felt the unctioning of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, and they began to speak into his life. And they began to create an atmosphere for him to grow, for him to realize that though the enemy was after him, that the enemy could not get to him in this place, in this habitation, in this atmosphere, that this was a, a safe space. I know we use that a lot of times as, uh, to poke fun at uh, maybe liberal ideology, but I want to tell you that our young people need a place that is safe for them to share their hearts. David came to Samuel and he said, I'm running for my life. Uh, the enemy's after me. My adversary wants to kill and destroy the call of God on my life. I don't know what to do. And Samuel grabbed him and said, I'm going to take you to a higher place where you can be in an atmosphere and we're going to create this atmosphere around you and it's going to protect you and it's going to cultivate you and it's going to stir up that gift that's on the inside of you and you want to fight another day. You want to write another song. You want to take another step. You want to do what God's calling you to do. But it all starts with the elders gathering around this generation and began to worship and began to pray and began to call out to God. Listen, I'm not saying that you haven't done that, but we need to do it with a, an urgency that we've never had before. These young people are stepping out. Listen, God's using them in great and mighty ways, and I thank God for that. But school's right around the corner. What's going to happen when they get surrounded by all that filth and all that garbage? When they're raised in a habitation, in an atmosphere, where they can grow and be strong when they go back to that high school, that middle school, that elementary. They, they know how because the elders, the saints of God have been around them. They'll know how to step into that hallway and say, I'm not letting this world and this school and my friends dictate life to me. I'm going to, because I know how now, I'm going to create an atmosphere in which will contaminate, will, will, will infect, listen, the only virus that needs to be going around is the presence of God. We need to become infected with it. We need to become carriers of it. We need to become distributors of it. And when those young people go back, they'll say, I know how to press in. I know how to create an atmosphere that will change everything, that will stop the enemy dead in his tracks. And I'll begin to prophesy to them as the elders prophesied to me. I'll begin to speak life whenever Anybody else around them speaking death? Anybody with me tonight? Do you believe that for your young people that your sons and daughters will prophesy? That they will lay hands on the sick and see them recover? That all happens when the atmosphere changes. That all happens when the Spirit of God comes upon them in a way that they've never felt before. And they'll be like Peter and they'll be like John and say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to thee. Take thy bed and walk. That that's what I want for this generation is for them to be raised in an atmosphere in this house so when they go to the 
schoolhouse or they go to the college campus or they go to football or baseball practice, whatever it may be, that the atmosphere is set by them, that they become the standard, that they become Jesus to the world around them, that they would stand when all else is crumbling, that they would be a light in a dark place. That's what I want. But it all starts with the habitation. It all starts with us, saints. Let me just, you know, I like, I like illustrations. Jaden, I want you to come up here. Terry Crystal. Trevor, I want you to come up here. Help me out. Just stand right here. Stand right here, Jaden. I want you guys to circle around him. Just circle around him. Sister Debbie, come help me out. Ronnie's not here to embarrass you. I guess I will. If I could imagine in my mind's eye what it may have looked like. Uh, the way our altar services have been looking like. Elder saints that love God circled around young men and women of God. And they begin to decree and to declare that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you have a purpose. That you have a call. You say, oh, why are they speaking in tongues? Why? I don't feel nothing. Listen, they're setting an atmosphere. They're setting an atmosphere. They're not allowing the fear that spoke to that young man before service and said, guess what? You can't open up service. You can't exhort. You can't bring up the brethren. They're speaking to that thing right now. And they're declaring an atmosphere over his life and an habitation over his life that says that the enemy may come here, but he may come one way. But as Deuteronomy 28, 7 says, they'll leave seven ways. What the enemy has tried to do to this generation will no longer be possible because there's going to be elders. There's going to be young adults. There's going to be the middle-aged. There's going to be the senior saints that are going to wrap their arms around a generation and say, listen, you're on offense now. You're going to grow now. You're going to increase now. You're going to be better now. You're going to overcome this now. You're not going to live in fear anymore. It happens. They're setting an atmosphere. The atmosphere shifted when they began to pray. I don't know if you felt that. I felt that. But that's what we're supposed to do day in and day out. Circle around a generation. And they began to prophesy. Not only predicting and speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit what's in the young man's future or the young woman's future. They began to intercede on their behalf and they began to worship and glorify an almighty God because listen, I couldn't deliver. I can't deliver this, this generation from the enemy. I don't have the power. I don't have the strength. You don't have the power. You don't have the strength, but guess what you do have? You have a God that has never failed 
and he taught you how to pray. He's taught you how to worship. He's taught you how to press in past the outer court, past the inner court, and into his very presence, which is the holies of holies. He's taught you how to press in, and these saints of God began to press around him, and they began to pray for him, and they began to glorify and worship God. They began to praise his holy name, and they began to prophesy as Samuel poured out his horn on you. That anointing still rests upon you, David. As you slew the giant, that anointing still rests upon you. You shall become what God has declared you will become. They began to prophesy things to him that, that he, he, he was discouraged about. Listen, I, he knew that God's hand was on his life, and he didn't really understand when you read into the next chapter. He didn't really understand why Saul wanted him so badly, wanted to destroy him. But listen, David would end up sitting on the throne. David would be called a man after God's own heart. David would be the warrior of Israel. He would be the king of all kings until Jesus came. Through David would come the savior and the redeemer of the world. But it all started when he was feeling like giving up and he came to an elder saint and he said, I'm running for my life. The fear is eating me up. The anxiety is eating me up. I'm just comparing myself constantly. I'm struggling with temptation. And they came to that elder saint and he said, I gotta take you to a place that you've never been to before. And I'm gonna put you in an atmosphere oh, that you've never been in before. But when you come out of this place, you're gonna fight another battle. You're gonna win another battle. You're going to go forth with an anointing on your life that you've never known before and that God is going to protect you. God is going to keep you. And Samuel took him to a place that he'd never been and exposed them to God in a way that he'd never seen. That's what's coming. That's what's happening. I, I, I correct myself and that's what's coming because it's happening. Last Wednesday night, I could see the stammering lips on some of these young people about to enter into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe it. It's not for yesterday. It's just as much for today as any time. We need it more now than ever. Why? Because the Holy Spirit makes intercessions with groanings that cannot be uttered. It prays when you don't know how. It seeks when you don't know how. And that's all in the atmosphere. That's all in the presence of God. And that's what David was surrounded with. He was surrounded by the presence of God. When the enemy tried to get to him, four times, he said third time's the charm. Didn't work for Saul. Didn't work for the enemy. He sent messengers the first time. And it says they got caught up in the atmosphere. And they began to prophesy. Saul said, let's try this again. He sent messengers again to apprehend him. And again, the atmosphere that was created by the saints of God was so strong. God was inhabiting their worship, their praise, and what they were doing so strong that it was impenetrable by the enemy. Saul sent him again. They went running, prophesying. And again, for the third time is what the Bible says. They went prophesying. Saul said, I'm going down there myself. And I'm going to see that this young man is apprehended 
put in bonds, dragged back to this capital, and executed. That's what he wanted. Wanted him dead. He wanted him eliminated. And that's exactly what the enemy wants for this young generation. They want to apprehend them and keep them bound and keep them from walking in the anointing and the appointment that God has placed on their life. He wants to keep this generation from becoming heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He wants to keep this generation from knowing that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead truly and really lives on the inside of them. Saul said, listen, I'm going to go down there myself. This is powerful to me. Saul walks in. The king. Bad boy. Bible tells us he's bigger than anybody else in the kingdom. He's tall. He walks in. Where's David at? Comes to Rama. Where's David at? Where's David at? They, were, they didn't know they were giving it away he's in the place where the atmosphere is the habitation he's, he's up there Saul walks in he's got power he's a, he's a king listen don't you ever doubt the enemy's got power he's got power he can appear as an angel of light he's got power he thinks he has authority. Saul walks in there, his royal garments on, his crown. And what he meant for evil, the atmosphere, the habitation of the presence of God, he said, watch this, I'm gonna turn the tables on him. And I'm gonna turn what was meant for evil from my good. And the devil, the enemy, the biggest and the baddest. That's what the Lord spoke to me. The biggest and the baddest. The devil himself cannot come and have our young people. Because the atmosphere that's been created in this ministry, the atmosphere that's been created across ministries in this nation is so strong and so connected to the throne room of God that as the praises go up, we're pulling blessings down that God is sending his presence now as we worship. We're going further, we're going higher. We're going to a deeper depth and a new intimacy and fellowship that we've never known before. And he's saying, all right, I'll keep pouring it out as long as you want it. I'll keep pouring it out. Those men stayed up there, those elders stayed around that young man, I believe for days on end as the messengers, as the enemy would come. They would be, they would be started, they would be stopped in, in their tracks and they would be forwarded in their plans and the enemy would begin to turn and run, prophesy. You say, what does that mean? The atmosphere was so strong that even the enemy had to declare who he was going to become. That when the, the enemy, the, the big bad, the head honcho showed up in his royal garments and his authoritative robe and wardrobe wrapped around him. The Bible says that he was naked. Look into that word that could mean 
Is he naked? Well, that could mean he's in his boxers. But here's, here's what the point is. The authority that he walked in with came off because of the atmosphere, because of the presence of God. And he was, he was laying on his face. He could do nothing. But even the devil himself, catch this, declared to David, he prophesied. Not only worshiped, not only sang, not only spoke, but he prophesied to David exactly what he was going to become. Could you see the, the king, the man sitting on the throne, the man that was there at that time, laying on his face, declaring to a younger man that he'd been trying to kill and trying to destroy, declaring to him that you are the rightful king to this nation, that you have all the authority because God has given it to you, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think, that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ that saved you. Oh, that David, you are one that can overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony, that you are the one that God has brought and will bring his seed through, which will save us and redeem us, this adversary, the presence of God was so strong his adversary had to speak what was true see what I said in the beginning of the services that even the devil knows who you are what you don't realize is those attacks on your life Jane. the attacks that you went through today when I put you on the spot those attacks when you're in a higher place, like Rama, and in the presence of God, your perspective changes. And you see that those attacks were validating the call of God in your life. That they were prophesying, were attacking you, were coming after you because of the anointing on your life, because the call of God on your life, Elijah, Emma, because the anointing on your life, Carly and Cameron, that's why you fight so hard. That's why you battle so much. It's because even the enemy himself has to declare who you are. My helpers can be seated tonight. Give them a hand. But they created a place where the presence of God could live. How many's ever drove through a city seen an abandoned house? Brother Brian, you can tell when a house is abandoned. It just doesn't look right. There's no signs of life. But the atmosphere that the elders, the prophets, the men and women of God created for David and for the presence of God. The signs were all around. It was undeniable that there was life. It was undeniable that the Spirit of God 
was in the house. Just remember, young people, each and every one of you, young adults, I'm talking to the the littlest of little, to the young adults that think we got it all together, but now we're realizing we're adulting and we got to pay taxes and it's awful. to realize that you're all anointed. Isaac, you're anointed. You are. There's a call of God on your life. Kayla, you're anointed. Abby's anointed. Little Ava's anointed. Got a call of God on your life. Just remember just remember what the psalmist said. Psalms 105.15 Touch not mine anointed. Touch not. Young people as an elder of this house every Sunday every Wednesday every special service every youth event that we have, I promise you, I'm going to press as hard as I can to create an atmosphere where the enemy can touch not my anointed because they came here to lay they came to him to lay hands on him, to apprehend him, to take. But in the presence of God, Spirit was saying, you ain't taking nothing. You have no right. You have no authority. And not only did he send the messengers, the, 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 the MPs, if you will, the military police, running three times. But he stripped a king reigning in darkness of his authority and exposed him. Right in front of David. The Bible doesn't say that David left until later. David's watching the man that has threatened to take his life and end the anointing on him. And he's watching him exposed. Because God wants to show you young people that even though this the enemy may come in like a flood that his spirit the atmosphere the day of Pentecost when the spirit came in the atmosphere changed the spirit of the Lord would raise up a standard against that enemy he was showing David this is what you're running from This man is no match. The devil is no match. There is not a devil in hell that can defeat not only the church, the saints of God. Why? Because Jesus said when he told that and proclaimed that to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. He said, listen, I'm giving you the keys. 
the authority that he had, what he was showing David, the authority that Saul thought he had, I stripped him of it. And I'm giving it to you. Because you have the keys. You have the keys. You have the authority. Young people, what he was saying is, you have the ability to bind and to loose things. You have the ability to bind the spirit of fear in your life and release a spirit of love and a power and of a sound mind. I'm closing if they'll come to the music. You have the ability to bind what the enemy is doing in your schools and release a spirit of freedom. Because there's anointing in your life. There's an anointing on your life. If you'll stand with me across this house. devil has no authority over your life. No authority. said Sunday in his exhortation you don't know what God's delivered me from you don't know how I've seen his hand just carry me through listen I'm, 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 not, I'm not anything special but I just, I'm just telling you a story from my life Same day. 
Which can be debated. Those same people, Sister Terry, remember on Saturday mornings, they would get me and my brother together and we'd read the word.